Good morning, all. On this January 8th, 2021. One week of January gone already. Well, as of 12.01 this afternoon, I guess. No, no. One week gone already. 12.01 last night at midnight. (laughs) Anyway... Thank God this morning for a nice sunny day and by winter standards this isn't so bad going to 40 degrees when uh, we know January has been known to be zero and below zero and you know in the teens and a lot of stuff so we thank God for the temperature I think now 31 we thank God for that Thank God for all he's doing. See, there comes a time, let me say this before we get started. There comes a time when we have to just sit back, stop what we're doing, and admire God's majesty. I learned that. You know what I said? God be my father, be my friend, take me out of this situation. But there comes a time where we, we're supposed to stop thinking about ourselves. Stop thinking about what's going on in the world and just admire who God is. Admire nature. Admire the sun. Admire the moon. Admire the stars at night. Admire the fact that there's comets and asteroids and all kinds of galaxies out there. This is my God. The trees, the grass, the birds, the animal kingdom. In its entirety, there comes a time where you just have to stop and say, wow, look at this place. This isn't evolution. This this isn't just happening because it's happening. We're just not here breathing oxygen because we're supposed to. Somebody did this for us. And did it for himself, right? Somebody did this for himself, and we reaped the benefits. So, just something to think about. Take time out sometime. Alright, this episode is called Can't Be Rewritten. That's right, Can't Be Rewritten. Now, this might be kind of long, but I'll try to keep it moving. First, I want to read from Sapphire. I forgot, forgot to do this the other day. The World Report from Sapphire, as, as I do sometimes, and just listen to the things that's going on around the world. <clears throat> New survey says that 98% of Americans who support socialism reject biblical worldview. 98% of Americans who support socialism they reject the Bible. That's pretty high. Another one, Biblical Village of Bethsaida. Where's that? Okay, that's where Jesus fed the 5,000, where he was on the water, and he helped the blind man to see. Well, that Biblical Village of Bethsaida is is finally identified by archaeologists after 32 years of excavations. 
another word that really existed. It's not a figure of imagination. It's not something man made up. That place really existed. <sighs> now this one is disturbing. Drifting away from scripture. Well, let's say it's disturbing to saints. Drifting away from scripture. 30% of evangelicals say Jesus was not God. Paul says. I don't know where that was conducted. I don't know how many people they did. But I guess 30% of the people that they did who were evangelicals say that Jesus was not God. How in the world are you going to be evangelists or sing for the gospel and say Jesus is not God? Oh boy, well, I'll get back to that in a second if I remember. Next one, former Planned Parenthood official says, we push sex ed on kids in order to create a market for abortion. And whether you want to believe that or not, that's up to you. But a former Planned Parenthood official, she's probably former because she believes in the Bible. <laughs> well, he, well, he's probably former because he believes in the Bible. Now he's coming out saying, we put sex ed on, sex ed on kids in order to create a market for abortion. Oh boy. Another one. Survey finds that half of professing Christians think sex outside of marriage is sometimes or always okay. I'm going to come back to that too. Because it's all related. Israeli archaeologists uncover remains of majestic First Temple era building in Jerusalem. So archaeologists are finding a lot of stuff to prove that the Bible is real. Not they don't have to be saved archaeologists; they could be secular archaeologists, but they still find out things that are real. And here's another one. Well, the last one I picked was there's a Bible app. The Bible app is banned as Muslim extremism surges in Indonesia. So even your Bible app that you may take for granted is banned in Indonesia because the Muslim extremism says so. And just said Muslim, I said Muslim extremism. So, don't get super offended. <laughs> the thing that I was saying before, that I was going back to, where I said 30% of evangelicals say Jesus was not God, and a survey finds that half of professing Christians think sex outside of marriage is sometimes or always okay. The reason I wanted to go back to that was because, and, oh, and this other, what's the other one? Oh, I missed this one. Christianity is growing as Iranians lose faith in Islam. Christianity is growing as Iranians lose faith in Islam. So, those three. That's God weeding out and bringing in people. And this is something we don't talk about too often. 
was to go to weeding out the bad and bringing in the good. In other words, he's weeding out those who don't want to believe in him anymore. And he's bringing in the ones who are going to stand up for him. So even though things are going like they're going downhill, at the same time, God's bringing in his last harvest. So things are going to go up. People are going to go up for, for Jesus. And people are going to go down. Because God is getting his army together. So the ones who are not serious, he's moving them out of the way. And the ones who never thought they would be ever be saved, he's bringing them in. He's getting his army ready, folks. All right, let's go on what can be rewritten. We'll start off with one, two, three, four, five scriptures. And there's a reason I'm doing this. St. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40 from the NLC. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. St. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 from the NIV. Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. St. John 13, 34 and 35 from the NLC. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Love one another. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 1 John 3 and 18 from the NIV. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech with actions and the truth. Malachi 3, 6a from the NIV. I, the Lord, do not change. <clears throat> now, I read all those scriptures, so hopefully we understand that there are, that there are things that can't be rewritten just to make a certain generation happy. Why do some people feel the need to try and rewrite the Bible? I don't mean translation. The world needs that. No, I hope we don't think that by rewriting the Bible, we change God's mind. Strange. There's other books people consider sacred, and they never get a makeover. Try rewriting the Quran and see what happens to the Quran and see what happens to you. Or try to make the Talmud up to date. Up to date. You'll be run out of town. Or try to be politically correct with ancient Hindu writings. My point, when you strip away the reason some folks have for giving the Bible a makeover, it all comes down to people don't want to obey its teachings. So they think that if they change the words around, they'll change the meaning wrong. This too is one book that cannot be rewritten. 
and what made the Bible stand out from the other four major prison beliefs is that the Bible has prophecy to back it up. Things that continue to happen now, just like it was predicted. Now, what are the five major beliefs, arguably? You know, you'll argue there's more. I think there's 4,200 religions in the world. But this is not a religion. But the five basic uh, major beliefs right now are followers of Christ, people call them Christians, Muslims from the Eastern Hemisphere. And the Muslims they have in the United States, the black Muslims who, you know, they did, their religion doesn't even compare with the ones from the Eastern Hemisphere. The ones from the Eastern Hemisphere don't even recognize a lot of the Muslims we have here. So, true Muslims from the Eastern Hemisphere. So, let's see, we got followers of Christ, Muslims from the Eastern Hemisphere, Judaism, the Jews, Hindu, and Buddhists. Now, there's a lot of beliefs out there in the thousands, like I said, 4,200. But these are the most popular and familiar ones and the biggest players out there. Now, I can safely say that the first three are definitely last-day players, according to the Bible. Your Christians or followers of Christ, your Muslims and your Jews. Those three are definitely last players in these last days. Can't discount them. Now, if the Bible offends you, well, to like anything else, then leave it alone, right? Of course, we don't want you to leave it alone. We want you to get into it. But anything that offends you, what you usually do, you leave it alone. Well, the Bible is not designed to make everyone's flesh feel good. It's there to crucify the flesh and accept the joy of a new life. Now, why, you might ask, am I saying that deep down people just don't want to obey the Bible's teachings? They say, aren't they old anyway? Well, the answer question number one, I'm saying through experience, and when you strip away unbelief, sarcasm, and hate of being told how to live, one feels the need to do whatever they want. Is there a scripture that back me up, or am I just venting? Honestly, no, I'm not. I just want to be right in God's eyes so we can help others get saved and get out of this place. St. John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, from the NIV. Robert Thoff is going to say St. John 3 and 16. No, this is in the same place, but a little bit later. St. John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. This is the verdict. This is Jesus talking now. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who hates, excuse me, everyone who does evil hates the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. 
These are the parts of the Bible we don't like to go to. It's because they hurt. But if we don't eat them, I'm sorry, but if we don't eat the whole thing, we'll never be right. Now, there is a politically correct Bible out there. But just to be clear, there's no such thing as a politically correct Bible. What happened in the Bible days happened. And no amount of tweaking and reversing things will ever change history or change God or change His commandments. It's not a matter of trying to foster people. It's a call to come out of the fire. We're not trying to fuss anybody. We're trying to get you out of the fire. Now, to answer question number two about aren't they old anyway? Yeah, the writings are old, but what does that have to do with accuracy? Isn't obeying your parents old? But well, we still believe in it. Isn't obeying the laws of the land old? But well, we still follow laws. And those was over the Bible days. So what's the problem? We still follow old things anyway. See, humankind is used to doing things their own way. And doing their own thing. So after about 6,000 plus years of civilization, here we are. So why why do you think why do you think many people find the Bible offensive? Why do you think there's nine billion denominations? Why do you think people call themselves encouraging others with statements like, "It's all in you, you're a champion"? Because after doing your own thing for so long, who wants anyone telling them that humans have to? live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If all those years people used to do things their own way, then once somebody come along telling them you have to change your ways, that's just human nature. So if you look at many other countries, people are thrown in jail, they're stripped of their home, they're beaten, or they have to pay the ultimate price just for believing in Jesus. It's the only crime. And in the United States, followers of Christ are verbally abused. They're judged the same way they say that we judge them. And they constantly lose defense of the gospel because many followers of Christ are biblically illiterate. Saints, take the pressure off yourselves. The Bible says we are not to judge those outside of Christ. But we're supposed to judge those who are sinning inside the church. Excuse me. It's proof. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 from the NIV. Paul says, what business, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the weird person from among you. Uh, there was something I was going to say. I forgot. Okay. <clears throat> but the main thing is don't be judging people. <laughs> Especially those that are not saved. 
and don't scratch your head and say, what's wrong with them white men so evil? You should know by now why men are so evil. All right, the last part said, expel that wicked person from among you. Now, wicked people, expelling wicked people from a congregation, that's nothing new. God hates sin. He always did hate sin, and he always will hate sin. But now the problems of doing that in this day and age, of expelling people from a congregation, have all these hidden factors in it. Are they really guilty, or are they innocent of the wickedness in question? It makes leadership look bad, even though it's not their fault. Somebody says, that's their first offense. Isn't the church supposed to forgive and forget? Then, of course, you have false witnesses. We're either going to be against that person or for that person. If that person, that person could be guilty of sin and somebody will come along and try to stick it for them. Or that person will be innocent and you got those false witnesses trying to make them look bad like they did with Jesus and like they did with Seth and then Bugger Acts. Have all these false witnesses and the person didn't do anything wrong. Oh, I told them to do this. Oh, I told them to do that. Oh, yeah, they did this and they didn't do nothing. So that's the problem in today's society of trying to do exactly what Jesus said, but it still has to be done. Yet it is written, expel that wicked person from among you. So you know someone would love to rewrite that one. If someone was going to rewrite, rewrite the Bible, which I already have, you probably left that out of there about expelling people. So now... As we start a new Gregorian calendar year, what do you mean Gregorian? Basically meaning that January is our first month. Many anticipate a better 12 months. Well, for sense of God, it'll probably be a busy year and bring in the potentially last harvest of souls. Let's not miss the opportunity of winning souls, gaining more wisdom, have a better understanding of God's word, and of course, living a life like like it says in Psalms number one, in the first three verses. Before I read that, <clears throat> just like I was saying here in Sapphire, God's weeding, weeding out the ones who are not going to be strong, and bringing the ones who will stand the first day. So there's that shift. There's some going out, and there's some coming in. And some of the ones that are going out, we hope they come back to the Lord. And the ones coming in, we encourage them to keep coming on. But God is making a shift of things, a shift of things. Some are going out, we don't need to be there anymore, they did wait. And some are coming in, we need to be there because they're bold. Okay, now go saying. Let's not miss the opportunity of winning souls, gaining more wisdom, and have a better understanding of God's word. And of course, living a life like Psalms number one says in the first three verses. Right here's the first number of Psalms, verse one to three. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, 
or standing around with sinners or joining with mockers. Mockers, excuse me. The delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted by the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, why would you want to rewrite that? <clears throat> in the last episode, I wrote a little bit about being on the same page. It's important to try to offer the Jesus reason for accepting and obeying the good news of the gospel. First, to the unsaved, the uninterested, the doubters, the mockers, the in-between folks out there, God has always loved you. His plan is that from before the foundation of the world, he was building a house. That's the B in the word Bereshit, the Hebrew word, so that his creation of humans could live with him forever, not as fleshly human beings, but as spiritual beings. Bereshit is Hebrew for in the be in the beginning. So when you open a Bible and see in the beginning, not only did he create the heaven and earth. But his house was designed to house us too. All from the beginning of the world, from the foundation of the world. Now the owl, the house is not this earth, but it's a special place designated for those who accept him, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. So you say it sounds like what your grandma and her mother believed. Well, just because it's old doesn't mean it doesn't matter anymore. Okay. Okay. Do you have a, maybe a younger brother or sister sibling? Who knows more about certain things in life, you or them? So how come the gazillions of people went before you were even thought of? How come they can't be right about God who exists? How come they can't know more than you? You know more than your little brother or sister. So how can how come people can't know more than you? They do. A lot of them do. That's the reason I say that when you cut through all the layers of excuses, people reject the bow because they don't want it to be right. Alright, second. Just because a follower of Christ disagrees with you or your lifestyle choices doesn't mean that they hate you. I wish we would get off of that. We think that just because someone disagrees with us, they hate us. Stop that. That doesn't mean that. If, if the follower of Christ knows some Bible, it's just that they want you to come out from a life of sin just like they had to. See, we all have to come out of life of sin. Nobody, nobody was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Or born saved. The only two, the Bible only said that John the Baptist had the spirit when he was born. And of course, Jesus was already right when he was born. 
Those are the only two I know of. <clears throat> and that was for a reason. Uh, oh, okay. Now picture this scenario. A bomb is going to destroy the planet. And if you want to live, you need to take this part of his advice. If you stay arrogant and unbelieving, you're toast. But if you listen, you'll be grateful to the God who saved you and thankful for the person who advised you to listen. Thirdly, many followers of Christ and unsaved biblical historians are not on the same page with regards to Jesus being poor or rich when he was on earth during his ministry. Why change what's been written? Uh, let's see. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, for the NIV, says, For though for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet became poor, so that you through his poverty may become rich. Now we know too many people take that as <clears throat> physically rich, having a lot of money. Only one point of that, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he's rich, he owned everything. Yet he became poor when he came down here. So that you, through his poverty, what poverty? The poverty he suffered by being here. By being poor, by being a carpenter, by not having a lot of things. So that we can become rich in him. Not to become rich with money, but to become rich in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. He left heaven, he left all that to come down here to be with us. That we can learn how to live. People say, oh, well, he was rich. If he was rich, why would you listen to him? Doesn't James tell you, isn't the rich that, that blaspheme, that holy name about which you're called? Is the rich that make fun of you and God? And make fun of you in the Bible? So why would Jesus be rich? He, they're saying he would be synonymous with rich people down there. That's silly. All right, I don't want to spend too much time on that. No matter how much we study, we're never going to know it all. But it's still important to study, to show yourself approved unto God, rarely dividing the word of truth. That comes from 2 Timothy 2 and 15. <clears throat> Unfortunately, those who have money or manage to borrow a lot to give themselves a platform to speak. They write books and articles, but they don't study the Word of God enough to be worthy to write books or articles. And what they speak isn't even biblically sound. For example, my friend put on Facebook the ending prayer in Washington, D.C. by a Democrat who at the end said, Amen and A-Women. That's one of the dumbest things I've heard. I guess he called himself being politically correct. 
a man had nothing to do with men. Duh. It means either it is so, let it be so, or it is finished. See what I mean about people having a platform and don't know what in the world they're talking about? And when you have that ignorance among politicians and preachers in regards to the word of God, you've got a mess on your hands. Here's a request, please. If you normally don't read or study the Bible, please don't try to be biblical. Please. Please. Just just, just pick something else. I'd rather you read from Notre Dame or, or uh, Socrates or Plato, but leave the Bible alone, please. Now, so you don't think I'm being judgmental or know-it-all, I'll give you an example that you can see for yourself. The example of poor versus rich, that was one. <clears throat> but here's another one. The never-ending argument of drinking wine. What is wine? It's fermented, fermented grape juice, right? Now, in biblical days, they watered it down most of the time. But let's be real here. Who's today is going to water down wine? The fruit from a grapevine is not already fermented. It's grape juice. Once you let it sit and ferment, now you have let alcohol in. Now, that's as far <laughs> as I'm going to take that argument. You've no doubt heard these defenses of drinking. You know, the famous ones about in defense for drinking. <clears throat> Jesus' first miracle was changing quarters of wine at a wedding. Another one. Jesus drank wine at the Last Supper with his apostles. Another one. Paul told Timothy to no longer use wine but use one, excuse me, no more use water, but use wine for his stomach, off his stomach. And then start again. Paul told Timothy to no more use water, but use wine for his stomach and often sicknesses. Then, now, on the other hand, God says in Proverbs, Proverbs 23 and 31 for the NLT, do not gaze at the wine seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, and how smoothly it goes down. He says, don't even look at it. And also, Proverbs 21 from the NLT. Wine produces mockers, alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. Now, I know what you might say, I can hold my liquor. According to the Bible, you're still not wise. Isn't buzz driving still considered drunk driving? So you drink until you get a buzz? You figure it out. I'm sure you're smart enough. So personally, to avoid any misunderstandings with God, I just don't drink, period. Now, if there's nothing wrong with wine and I miss a glass of wine, so what? Don't need it, don't want it. Now, if there is something wrong, 
with drinking wine. And I'm still I'm still okay because I don't use it. Now did I ever drink alcohol? Yes. Give you an example, vodka, rum, and gin in the same glass with some Pepsi. I only did that once, and that was enough for me. I didn't get sick, but I was high as a kite in about three minutes. I also once got drunk off of warm blackberry brandy. I'm surprised my socks and shoes didn't come out in the toilet. Point, who needs it? Depending on if you like alcohol or if you can take it or leave it. One thing is certain. A drunk it won't won't get eternal life. That's first Corinthians chapter six verses nine and ten. Now anything that helps destroy your body is not a good thing in God's eyes. With it excuse me uh, whether it be food, alcohol, cigarettes, drugs, over strenuous stress we put on our bodies through too much exercise mental stress and worry. We just think, okay. Therefore, don't be one of those people who condemn someone for smoking cigarettes and you eat a pound of bacon every two days. Or you say, people should eat like the Israelites were told to eat in Leviticus 11. And you say that while you're wearing a, a lobster, babe. <clears throat> So don't try to rewrite the Bible so you can do anything you want. The famous Proverbs 14 and 12 from NLC says, There's a path that before each person that seems to be right, but it ends in death. Oh boy. So, same page. Sin is a very serious offense against God. Yet, there is sin which does not lead to death. They are now listed as to what they are. Imagine that. See. Imagine that folks are really going off. But all wrongdoing is sin and will be dealt with by God. <clears throat> so don't say all sin will put you in hell. Not necessarily, for certain sins will put you in hell, and it pays to find out what they are. Here's three specific, specific places. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, and Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, and St. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 to 48. Now don't think that God has changed his mind. There are sins listed, excuse me, there are sins now listed, not listed in those scriptures I just gave you. But you know that there's still sins. Like what, like for example, adultery, using God's name in vain, premeditated murder, where you're, you're killing not for self-defense or to protect the nation. Just premeditated murder because you don't like somebody. Or because they got you angry. 
bearing false witness against your neighbor, in other words, lying on them, and these are all still sins. Not loving, not loving your brother or sister, and any others I might have forgotten to list. So there's still sins, just because you may not find them in Galatians or First Corinthians or St. Mark. They're still sins. Now, just because a person, me, <clears throat> just because a person doesn't want to accept that these are sins, doesn't negate the fact that they will be dealt with if not repented of. So, quote unquote, same page in saying whether or not we sin should be based on God calling and wrongdoing. If His Word says yes, it is wrongdoing. Repent and get it out of your life forever. If you're not sure, repent anyway and don't do it again. If something is not a sin, don't mentally make it one and then go into a pity party. The Bible can't be rewritten. It's good enough as it is, no matter what generation. <clears throat> All I can say is what I've been saying, but I said before on many occasions. The world will be looking for followers of Christ as the world continues its downward spiral. Certain things won't stop, whether you believe the Bible or not. What things won't stop? Like this racial tensions, civil unrest. Increased weather patterns, government issues, economic woes, the feeling of no need to believe in God, the shutting down one's throat of homosexual lifestyles, the demands of the LGBTQ community. So don't rewrite the Bible. Write the Bible on your heart.